Uh, so here we are, back at it again at the Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Indeed. It, it's it's been it's been uh, <laughs> three weeks since we last recorded an episode. Yeah. I think that's like the longest we've ever taken. It totally is. Although, because of time travel, it hasn't been that long for you, the listener. Nope. So, uh, yeah, it's been a while. So we're a little bit rusty, getting back into it. But we had, uh, we took, Jessica's got her hand over her face. Oh, it's just because you're hot. I thought you were like, oh, you really suck now. <laughs> no, it's That's exactly hot. what it was for. <laughs> well, we went to Boston. We went to visit my dad who lives in Boston, and my sister was there, who doesn't live in Boston, but was visiting. Fun time had by all. So obviously you can tell my Boston accent is coming back a little bit right now. And, you know, once I go home, like, my Boston accent comes back to me. (laughs) It's just natural. It's just natural when when I'm hanging out back at home that my Boston accent just kind of naturally comes about. (laughs) What do you mean, what? I can't help it. After, like, hanging out with my family and our friends back home, I'm like, I just got my Boston accent back. Just a touch here and there. Yeah, yeah. It's true. That's why we don't live in Boston. Oh, I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Mommy and Daddy are mad. I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Cause I ain't been nothing but Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello, everybody. I still got my Boston (laughs) accent. (laughs) Yeah, so we had a big, a big round the East Coast trip. Yeah. Started out in Florida. And uh, as I'd mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, my dad was having surgery because he had cancer. And thank you to everyone for thoughts and prayers and everything. He's doing really, really well. They were able to get 100% of the cancer. So Yay. he's cancer free. Yep. And that's amazing. We got that news before we even had to leave there. Yeah. That yeah. they did the another test and like it came up, you know, no cancer detected. And it yep. was like, yes, we were so excited and happy. It's great. So we didn't have to feel bad when we drove away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we headed up to Savannah <laughs> yep. because we had to, so we drove, then we drove from Florida up to Boston because we had the dog with us as well and minimizing the number of flights. And also we had the time to like visit all these cities on the East Coast and Savannah was our first stop. Now, unfortunately, we did not get to hang out in Savannah for very long or get all the Savannah content that we wanted because you'll you'll know this, especially if you live somewhere on the East Coast. Uh, there was a hurricane and we were actually driving through it and yeah. it hit Savannah when we were d- driving into Savannah. Yeah. So. Like it was it was really scary because we were less than an hour from the from the hotel at that point. I like booked the hotel, right? And it and it was only like it was like 4 hours from door to door from Jessica's parents' house to uh Savannah. So I'm like, "Oh, there's no way we're stopping before Savannah." And then the rain comes pouring down so heavy that it, like we couldn't even see. Yeah. And we started driving like 30 miles an hour on the on the highway and following other cars and then I followed a big U-Haul truck because I'm like, "Okay, I can see the U-Haul truck. It's solid white, so it's easy and visible." Very scary. Uh, Toyota Corolla that we had rented. The man, those things suck in the rain because, yeah. like, the windshield wiper, the they highest, were so slow. The, the highest so setting slow. for the windshield wipers were so slow. 
the lights weren't that bright. It was yeah. really slow. I'm not the getting windshield that. wipers. No, it We're was gonna not great. We're going to get sued great. by Toyota <laughs> for libel or slander or whatever it is. Uh, then we went to Charleston where my sister lives, although she also came up to Boston right after us. So we saw her there again. We saw her there as well. And uh, Charleston was fun, interesting. Like It's like a mini. It's so small. Charleston's mm-hmm. like a mile across. I'm like, this is the tiniest city I've ever seen. It's just a little city. I hope we have no Charleston lis- <laughs> listeners. Why not? We're just saying. We, I'm it's just saying lovely. it's a real it's, small yeah. downtown. Like I was like, this is yeah. so tiny. I could walk across it. Literally, it's a mile across. Then we went to Williamsburg, Virginia and yes. Jamestown and then headed on up. We stopped in D.C. because Danny For had not seen the White House. Yeah, so, and we yeah. took a picture of April in front of the White House, <laughs> Yep, which you can see on, on her Instagram. And then, and then we got, headed on to we Boston. We saw the Black Lives Matter road. We yeah. parked right on, not on the Black Lives Matter road, but like two cars up from a turn onto the Black Lives Matter Avenue. That's good so stuff. That was, and then, uh, yeah, then we get to Boston. And, uh, oh, you know, something we learned from this trip, the best sushi, Florida, or on the coast anyway. Yeah. Shockingly. Especially since California and Hollywood in particular are known for great sushi, but like the best sushi we ever had was on the Treasure Coast in Florida. Yeah, fresh caught, just, oh, like the freshest sushi I'd ever tasted. So good. So that's our Noting that we have not been to Japan before. Right. So <laughs> once we go there, I'm sure well, we'll be like, Well, that's next. Wow. We'll rent another car and we'll drive to Japan. Oh, no. <laughs> so here we are. And this was our big summer trip. Well, now it's time for Christmas. <laughs> That's right. Although before that, Jessica looks like she has something to say. Oh my gosh. So when you were talking about trips and driving and getting geography things incorrect, it made me think about, I realized this the other day. Mm-hmm. So the reason why you got confused about the Gold Coast, it's 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 technically my mm-hmm. fault via Katy Perry. Because oh. I listened to that California Girls song incessantly. Uh, back right. in like what 2014 2015 whenever it came out she sings that was nothing comes close ago. to the golden coast and she's singing about california so i see why you might be confused if you have that song stuck in your head and that's ridiculous can't believe it pop songs confusing people if only there was some connection to that particular pop artist and what we talk about here, which is Relying K. <laughs> but there's no if connection only. that I know of. Well, good point. Thank you. And that was episodes ago, right? It was. Yeah. But I just I just wanted to come to, to your defense on that one. Okay. Thank you. Golden Coast is Australia. What if she was singing Gold about Australia? Gold Coast. But <laughs> maybe the Perry Pacific was... in general is considered the Golden Coast. Gotcha. But what if Katy Perry was singing about Australian girls the whole time? That'd be great. Australian girls. Something. So- oh, yeah. Famously, Not, doesn't quite have the, the same le- ring The left to it. shark and all that stuff. And, you know. Oh, there you go. There you go. Sure. Why and, not? Uh, and that ties in. Because we don't get any sharks here in California. Right. And that ties into, you know, the left shark. And there's Australia is known for the left bank, where all of the theater happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, Gold State, Gold Coast. I get I get where you're at. Golden State, sorry. Yeah. Golden I get, State Warriors. Right. I get where you're at. What if I was just thinking of the Golden State Warriors? I thought you were just thinking of the Golden State. Anyways, moving on. Any other top of the show business? 
I don't think so. Nothing much going on. <laughs> so like I said, this is our Christmas, our annual Christmas in July episode. In addition to any other additional Christmas episodes we have to do throughout the year. Otherwise, we'll never finish this Christmas CD. But this week we're talking about Nothing for Christmas, which is a cover... Not an original Reliant K song, as some people online seem to think. Oh, wow. Remember when we saw that review at some previous episode? It wasn't a Christmas episode. Okay, I thought that you were kidding that there was no more Top of the Show business. There are voicemails. Right. Oh, so many voicemails. I was setting you up for that, and then you're like, you just breezed on through, and I'm like, oh, maybe he's not going to do those in these episodes. Well, we got so many voicemails, (laughs) and... Like, I'm sure a bunch of them are still about Star Wars. <laughs> and I don't, we just came back from vacation. No. The type of vacation where you need a vacation. How many the of them are about Star Wars? And so I don't know if I want to do the, the ones that are about Star Wars. Okay. Oh my gosh, one, two. Wait, so we still got. Oh no. We got two from April. This is now our Star Wars podcast. I know. So we got two from April, and then we have not the dog April, but the month of April. And then. Currently, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, oh, wow. eleven, twelve, thirteen, oh. fourteen, fifteen <laughs> voicemails. Oh, wow. And in most cases, it's like two at a time because someone, you know, gets cut off and calls right. right back. Do we need just a full voicemail catch up episode? Probably, but here's it looks like it looks like a celebrity called us. Oh, let's hear let's hear from this one. Is it Santa? Uh. No, Santa's not here. Santa's, Santa's, uh, it's vacation Locked in Tim Allen's closet? Yeah, Tim Allen got out of prison for trying to kill Santa Claus a couple years ago, and that is not a good scene. It's like Sideshow Bob. Yeah. Guys, it's me, Christopher Walken. Okay, I was going to try to do this whole long bit about how your episode 56 of Pirates Who Don't Do Anything was lacking something in my best Christopher Walken voice, but it clearly did not work. Hey, guys, it's Lindy. What? I thought it was Christopher Walken. Did we not do a Christopher Walken in that episode? I don't think so. But remember when we did I Pirates? remember why yeah. he came up. Yeah, because he, he, he... Did we talk about Natalie Wood and that whole thing in that episode? No, or no? we did not. No. No, because it was the VeggieTales episode. We couldn't go around. Pirates who don't do anything on a boat. Oh. (laughs) So this is Lindy calling. How you doing? I'm listening to episode 56, Pirates Who Don't Do Anything. On this rainy Friday afternoon, we are probably going to get pretty bad weather this weekend because of this hurricane, possibly. That's coming our way. Anyway, that's. Well, there you go. <laughs> so we while, sure did. So while we were fearing for our lives on 95, <laughs> Lindy, Lindy was calling. Well. <laughs> the point that I'm calling is because I wanted to say how surprised I was that you guys didn't even talk about the Veggie Rock CD that came out, which pretty much had every VeggieTales song on it by rock, Christian rock artists. And I'm very surprised that you didn't say anything about it on that episode. And I wanted to tell you that it's awesome. 
It has, I don't remember a lot of the artists that are on it, but I had the CD back in the day, and I played it like crazy, and it's very fun and very different. There's a really good version of I Love My Lips, and I don't remember who does it. Maybe Danny can look it up as he's listening to this voicemail and play it for Jess because she does not seem to be too enthralled with VeggieTales or this song. So maybe she'll like that one. But yeah, talk about it. I hope you like it as much as I did and still do. Anyway, have a great one. Yeah, we did not talk about it because I, as mentioned, uh, was not a big VeggieTales fan. It kind of annoyed me whenever it was it was on, which was like all the time in the church nursery, which I used to work in pretty right. much every Sunday when I was like in middle school and high school. So I definitely avoided any extracurricular VeggieTales viewing, listening, anything. So I feel like we might have talked about it at some other point in another episode. But, yeah, we didn't talk about it at that time. And I think I even, I might have corrected some stuff in the breakdown episode. Like, we didn't even look at the VeggieTales Wikipedia or the Wikia, <laughs> the VeggieTales fandom website at the time. Consummate professionals. I know. So, um, thank you to Lindy, although it was she not just said Christopher it. I'm Walken. To, I'm trying to look it up on Spotify. What is it called? Veggie Rocks. It might Veggie not be Rocks. on Spotify because ah. some, sometimes compilations aren't available on Spotify. You might have to look it up. Uh, it is a playlist. Here we go. We've got In the Belly of the Whale by the Newsboys, the Pirates Who Don't Do Anything, Reliant K. What but We Gonna Do, Toby Mac. I feel like this playlist is piecing it together from other places that the songs uh, might have been uploaded. Yeah, as you have to do sometimes on, on Spotify and Apple Music. They always they have to do that with the uh, with the Empire Records soundtrack a lot on both Spotify and Apple Music because it's not always available right. on streaming in its entirety the way it is. You have to kind of go to the original albums and pop them in there. Which epic soundtrack, by the way. Mm-hmm. Belly button by Veggie Tales. What does that sound like? What is it? No, this is just the song. Yeah, it is. I'm telling you, you're looking at a playlist that is emulating as no, closely as possible. No, I know. I just wanted. I just wanted to know what the belly button song I'm was about. I'm telling you. <laughs> you're not telling me what the what the belly button song is about. Uh, this must have been past my time for Veggie Tales. He's sad that he doesn't have a belly button because he's a uh, turnip or whatever. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. disappointing. I thought it was going to be more involved than that. <laughs> Veggie Tales continues to disappoint me all these oh. years later. <laughs> so uh, let's. That's see. what you get, Veggie Tales, for saying that Jesus was a carrot or whatever. <laughs> no, he wasn't a carrot. We went through this. There's no Jesus in the Veggie Tales universe. I said it. He's like there a are only Veggie Tales. Something I got that it. played Jesus in the Christmas pageant. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I see the words Ryan Johnson a couple times in the Google <laughs> Translate of these voicemails, and I don't really want to play those. <laughs> Although one says, I promise I'm not going to talk about Ryan Johnson, but okay. still, let's see who this is. So this is Connor, 
who brought up wait now i'm confused because both connor yeah connor's the one who pushed it who brought back ryan johnson up again after connor daddy yes yes and then jared also calls maybe to talk about some ryan johnson stuff so i got confused which one of them was patient not patient zero you were patient zero the <laughs> ryan johnson discussion no i was no you were i infected you but you were patient zero <laughs> i just mentioned the name so anyway here's connor Connor Daddy's always stirring up trouble on this podcast. <laughs> he didn't even do anything yet. We didn't even listen to the voicemail. He brought back Ryan Johnson. <laughs> He's the reason why you you decided to point out that you were shocked at my cleverness back on the Earth Day uh, episode. He's the reason for the season. <laughs> hey, Danny, just Connor again. Don't worry. I'm not going to talk about Ryan Johnson or anything. Um, but while you were... Uh, talking about uh like the different directors for all the different movies and everything and how marvel does it completely differently they like go to directors and go to actors and try to figure that stuff out um i'm still really 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 hurt that marvel fired edgar wright from ant-man because i still want to see that movie and anytime i've watched that movie i still see the parts that are very clearly edgar wright in that movie and it makes me very sad that he didn't get to make the movie he wanted to make because he was probably going to make it an Edgar Wright movie, which probably wouldn't fit in very well with the rest of the Marvel Universe. Still a bummer. God, that that makes me so upset. Edgar Wright's my favorite director, personally, and I would love to see him do, like, a mainline superhero movie like that. But apparently Marvel's like, nope, you're too weird. You can't do that. Anyway. <laughs> um, that's all. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Agreed. We love Edgar Wright. Yeah. I was very sad yeah. the way Edgar Wright was fired from the Ant-Man movie, and they still used elements of his thing. And we went to see it, and I was not impressed. with The, the Ant-Man movie was the first, probably because at the time I was thinking of Edgar Wright, but I also only have a, like, a molecule, which is not an Ant-Man pun, but I only have like a little bit of fun whenever I watch any second phase Marvel origin movie or later. Like all of the Marvel origin movies after phase one, I'm like, okay, another origin movie, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, Black Panther. Black Widow's good though. But that's not even that's not an origin movie. No, and but even, well, kind of a little bit. Well, no, it's just, but that's not an origin movie. It's a yeah, it, right. it it deals with elements of her origin, but it's not you're an right. origin movie. I'm talking about a story of the hero becoming the hero for the first time, and so like all of those in Captain Marvel, and there's probably another one I'm missing. What's another recent one of those those jerks? Did it, <laughs> By which I mean superhero. Did it feel like? Black Widow wasn't actually the main character in her own movie. No, a little bit, but you know, I felt like it did. It was a nice ensemble movie, anyways. But anyway, yeah, but like all of the, uh, it's because it's formulaic. All the origin stories, especially Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is is the one where I was like, this is literally just Iron Man again. I was like, you know, at least you know, out of those four, the most interesting one is Black Panther, just because it's got the most interesting mythology around it and like his struggle epic between, supporting characters as well yeah and like his like 
Exactly, and his and his story between his father, who's died, who can to communicate with, and his brother, who's evil. Like that's the most interesting one, but it's still another Marvel origin story. Although that one's less of an origin story because he's already Black Panther because he became Black. Yeah. So maybe that's why. Yeah, it was that's good. why that one breaks it, the mold a does, little bit. Yeah. It still uses those elements of Iron Man one that all of the Marvel origin m- movies after the first Avengers movie have used. Like Captain even- Marvel broke the mold a little bit as well, but not in the best way. That first, like, ten minutes, confusing. So confusing. Right. Just throw you right into the middle of things, and you're like, whoa, 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 what, what, what is happening? Who is right. this? What are, why does it feel like we're, like, plopped into the middle of Act 2? Yeah. So Ant-Man and Doctor Strange are the ones that I enjoyed the least, because I'm like... We're just, I just feel like we're just getting through this just to know who these characters are for later. Yeah. Like, I was like, ugh. But we were super looking forward to the Edgar Wright Ant-Man. We were like, ooh, this is actually drawing us back in. And then, yeah, it was a bummer. They should have just let him have a Thor movie because they do whatever they want in the (laughs) Thor movie. (laughs) (laughs) Now, since that third one. Oh, yeah. I mean, even even the second one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, That's that's one of my other unpopular opinions. I hate Thor Ragnarok. It's awful. It's an awful movie. Jessica's got hot takes. I do. It is a bit meandering. It's, it's meandering it's fun for and too thing, wackety but, schmackety. Right. Like, but it's funny because it is also the one that breaks the mold the most mm-hmm. out of all of those movies. Yeah. So what do you want? You want this until you get it and then you get it and you don't want that and... What's the what's the deal? You're you not getting what? nothing for Christmas. <laughs> it's true. You know what? Though I got Black Widow for Christmas because I went into that one being afraid that they were totally going to to wreck it, and I was like, you know what? When it ended, when the credits rolled, I was like, they did her justice. I can appreciate that. So I did. I did like that one. Lame. Just kidding. <laughs> we just saw it. That's and that's the that's the other top of the show business is we just went back to the movie theater for the first, for the first time, time in a year and a half since oh, Sonic so the Hedgehog. Oh. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. Quarantine, wondering if Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, Hedgehog on Valentine's movie. Day, twenty twenty. <laughs> no, was it was it Valentine's Day or was it like a couple days before or after? It was Valentine's Day. That's the movie we saw to celebrate <laughs> our love. <laughs> Can you guess who picked it? <laughs> I feel like recently in an episode I talked about how we, maybe it was in a Patreon, how we didn't do Valentine's Day for the first, like, we did a Valentine's Day for the first two years of our marriage, stopped for, like, five years, and in, like, three Valentine's Days ago, I spent a ton of money on a Valentine's Day to make up for all the Valentine's Days you had missed. And then last year we went to see Sonic the Hedgehog at the Alamo Cinema Draft House. <laughs> and I got onion rings because they were special on the menu. Yeah. But we saw it with a great audience. It so was didn't not he a packed- have great kisses that night? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was not a packed house. No. But there was this one group of friends there who were there. Of like, I feel like they were there for the perfect mix of this is gonna suck, but we're gonna love it. Uh-huh. Like, not like irony bros who are like, this is gonna suck and we're just gonna mock it. But like, they cheered at all the parts that the they purposely cheered at all the points you know the movie makers mm-hmm. wanted you to cheer at, but they meant it but didn't mean it. And I was like, this is fun. <laughs> like when Sonic stands up and you think he there's two times in that movie where you think Sonic dies, and both times that he stood up, they went yeah. Yeah. Just sitting in quarantine, being like, oh, is this going to be the last movie we ever see in a theater? <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. So we went to see it at the El Capitan, which is the theater downtown Hollywood that Disney Black owns. Widow, yes. Black Widow. 
I mean, I wish Disney, I wish back. Disney owned Sonic. <laughs> That's what, what I want for oh, Christmas. No. <laughs> no, I don't. They own enough. They so do. Um, monopolies, entertainment and monopolies are a bad, bad thing, man. So let's see. Did you know that I'm getting nothing for Christmas? <laughs> I distracted myself. Is the, are, are the, that was doing the those two voicemails this week? That's there's so many. We'll do more, and there, and there's a couple more from Lindy, and there's a couple from Jarrett, and there's two more from April that we didn't get to. So we'll do more next week. Maybe have a voicemail catch-up episode. Sounds so. good. Yeah, especially because we're gonna get more Apple comments that are like. The intros are far too long on this. The top of the show business goes that's on never for been too a com- long. That's never been a complaint. It's just that the episodes are too long. No one's ever complained oh, that the intro. Did. No one's ever complained that the intros are too long. Although they are quite long, no one's ever complained about that. I don't have a ton to say about this song, so <laughs> it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so this is a song that had came up in some previous episode, not one of the Christmas episodes. But you found some review, and I don't know if you found it again, where somebody referred to, like, this Christmas CD by Reliant K has a bunch of classic traditional covers that they're doing, and a couple of originals, like, and then they named some of the originals along with Nothing for Christmas, and we were like, no, this is like an old-time, like, post-war feel-good novelty Christmas song. And here you have Reliant K doing it in the... Like, I've said this before, but the um, Deck the Hall and Bruise Your Hands songs on that were, you know, put onto All Work and No Reindeer. <laughs> I'm a little rusty. I don't remember the titles of these. But the original 2000... The, 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 Two reindeers don't have a red nose, but three do. <laughs> that's it. That's what it's called. The first batch of Christmas songs they wrote when Brian was still in the band, or that they recorded when Brian was still in the band, are the most legitimately pop-punk songs they ever recorded. Mm-hmm. Because with those first three albums, and even with Mm-hmm and Five Score and Seven Years Ago, everything really is like a pop-rock band with some pop-punk influence. Mm-hmm. But in the, in this song and in, you know... 12 Days of Christmas and stuff, there are actual, like, Blink-182, like, specific sort of production references and stuff like that. So this yeah. is, like, Reliant K was like, let's do... This I think is almost I, like a Dropkick Murphys kind of song in the production <laughs> of it. I don't know, something about it. Like, I feel like the song has the most going on out of all of the Christmas songs and is the most out of character for Reliant K production-wise. I still love it. When you said Dropkick Murphys, I'm like, I gotta listen to... Oh, because of that shuffling... There's that yeah. shuffling beat. Yeah. That is a very Dropkick Murphys thing. But I wouldn't... that I can see how you'd get that Dropkick Murphys feeling. Especially because on the road, we kept hearing Queen of Suffolk County on, like, so many random radio stations. and like I In guess, New Jersey and then twice in Boston. Right, and it made sense in Boston. But I'm like, I guess this Queen of Suffolk County Dropkick Murphys song is like a minor radio hit when you like actually find a current rock station. So yeah, I definitely hear what that song lets me leads me to understand why they thought that that freaking a song. I think that was the name of the band was a Reliant K song. (laughs) 
<laughs> Man, that was like one of the. That's one of my favorite podcast <laughs> memories when you uncovered freaking A. Yeah. Because it, which was such a. Because I don't remember what episode it was, but we'll figure it out. And we got to go back and listen to that episode because there was this bowling for soup approximate called Frickin' A who had this these Christmas novelty songs. They were big in Boston because they had a Boston Red Sox specific one. Right. But then I found out that they were from like Ohio yeah. or something. They were not from not Boston. from Boston. They just somehow, for some reason, decided to record a Boston themed Christmas <laughs> yep. song that was huge <laughs> on the radio back then. And then... It ended up on Napster, wrongfully labeled to Reliant K. I appreciate that Reliant K covered this song because it's sort of one of the lesser known, well-known Christmas songs. Right. And doesn't have a lot of covers, although can't even compare to the Smash Mouth Rosie O'Donnell version. What? I was going to bring up the Plain White Tees version. I did not find this. There's also a Less Than Jake version. And you can't find it on Spotify, but it is on YouTube. I guess it was on a K-Rock comp. Oh, okay. Uh, But yes. (laughs) Well, hold on. I'll do it on my phone because... There is a Smash Mouth Rosie O'Donnell version of this song. Somebody once told me that there's a (laughs) Smash Mouth version of Nothing for Christmas. (laughs) Oh, okay. So it's like from the Rosie O'Donnell talk show. And I guess it was like a comp, maybe a charity comp. Because like, look at the... Or, yeah. It's like, yeah. From when Rosie O'Donnell had... The, it has the the album art has the little cartoon version of her, which if you're old enough to remember the Rosie O'Donnell show. Yeah, it was the... It was the for our younger listeners, before the Ellen DeGeneres show... The Rosie O'Donnell show was is in that, that same who time took slot. took over that time slot? Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a syndi- is it a syndicated show? It was definitely like Rosie O'Donnell was the big afternoon talk show person. And yeah. when her show ended, the Ellen DeGeneres show kind of took over. And I don't know huh. if it's the same production company or the same network or the same studio or any of that. But I just know, generally speaking, there was the Rosie O'Donnell show. It ended with her like basically admitting she hated everybody (laughs) and then Ellen DeGeneres took over who also hates everybody but knew how to hide it for like 20 years right darn why do they keep hiring hateful lesbians for that time slot why don't you hire a loving lesbian for that time slot we have lots of loving lesbian friends hell yeah Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's Smash Your Mouth with Rosie O'Donnell singing. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica just spit up. I can't tell which is Rosie O'Donnell, though. That's the problem. I can't tell which is the the Smash Mouth and which is Rosie O'Donnell. It's because like no other Smash Mouth song sounds this much like Smash Mouth. You know what I mean? Like I've deep dived the first two Smash Mouth albums, and like they're specifically trying this to make sounds this like sound a parody like of, yeah. of Smash Mouth. Like, I don't know if Smash Mouth has tried to write, rewrite All-Star later in their career, but 
Wow. Like the twist, how there's like yeah, the, the twist like, again, like you did last it, summer and Christmas twist, and, and all Monica the versions twist. of the twist. <laughs> Let's twist again, again. So also on this comp is Jessica Simpson, Macy Gray, Dixie Chicks, Jewel, Ricky Martin, Destiny's Child. This is a star-studded thing. Man. Oh, and this is another rosy Christmas, by the way. Oh wow! Linda Etter, Sugar Ray, Billy 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 Gilman. I almost said Billy Graham. Mark Anthony, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. This is Donna from a Summer, very specific time. Barry Manilow. <laughs> yeah, it says it's from four years ago. I'm just kidding. That's when the YouTube upload was. And this is technically classified under YouTube Kids because it doesn't allow comments. And wow, wow, that is a find because because uh, I mean we'll get back to talk about the Reliant K version, but as long as we're talking about other versions, there was a plain white tease version. And uh, let me play that. This was from a soundtrack. This was from the prep and man. What the heck is this called? Uh, Hold on. So this is from prep and landing, which is this like Disney... It was oh, not a theatrical I've movie, seen and I the, don't. Uh, I saw posters for this around right. the city when it came out. It, I don't think it wasn't theatrical, and I don't know if it's the Disney Channel or what. I guess it's the Disney Channel. I don't know if they're specials or it's a TV show or what. This also has that shuffling beat, so maybe that has yeah. something to do with when you take a post World War II novelty numbered like jazzy novelty christmas song and you convert it into a pop punk song or a pop rock song you have to do that shuffling beat there's also like a mandolin or ukulele in the background are you looking up prep and landing Well, yeah, this isn't the movie I was thinking of that all the posters were up for that oh, okay. like you've never heard of the but movie. But this looks like every one of these like weird yeah. like s- sort of popular but not super popular CGI Christmas movies like mm-hmm. Arthur Christmas and stuff. It was the one with the gnomes? There was like a gnome Christmas one. <laughs> <laughs> hey there. You're trying to get us content ID. Yeah. Hey there, content ID. Yeah, remember the plain white tees? They're like Reliant K for um Hey there, Delilah, people you're who... getting nothing for Christmas. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the cusp of a good of a good simile. They're like Reliant K for people who what's plain white tees Reliant K for people who like pumpkin spice lattes. There you go. So this isn't pumpkin spice season, that's Thanksgiving or Fall. Fall. <laughs> We're talking <laughs> Christmas. I'm I guess just waiting this... for an angry voicemail from David Park after that. <laughs> I guess this 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 whole smash, smash Mouth thing really threw me for a loop. So let's get back to talk about Reliant K's version. So it is funny though that that like you you noted that shuffling beat and here the Play My Tees are doing the exact same thing because this is like a cover. 
of an old-timey song. They're not shouting, though, so they're less Dropkick Murphys. Right. It doesn't sound like we're shipping out to Boston or anything. No one's going, oh, I can't do it. But you you know what I mean. <laughs> so I need to look this up because um, I should probably go get the booklets. For That's the- also my Christina Aguilera impression. <laughs> 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 That's good. <laughs> That's good. Um, I want to look up because... I remember, yeah, all tracks, public domain, unless otherwise noted, new verses on tracks 6 and 11 written by Matt Thiessen. So Matt Thiessen wrote new verses for 12 Days of Christmas and We Wish You a Merry Christmas. And then it says tracks 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 16 originally appeared on Deck the Hall, Bruise Your Hands. And track nine, track nine uh, originally appeared on Apathetic EP. So my question, what I was going to... I read all this to say, I recall from previous Christmas episodes that we've read the booklet for uh, Let It Snow Baby, Let It Rain Deer, and how it always says, like, all of the covers are traditional or public domain or something. Mm-hmm. So I was actually kind of surprised in them saying that, that that means I'm getting nothing for Christmas is like a public domain song because Mm. I don't know when songs fall into public domain, but it's like our grandparents' generation. This song's not that old. It's not like Silent Night Away in a Manger, which which some people argue is as old as Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer. Like people, some people think it's actually that old. Like it's not hundreds of years old it's less than a hundred years old so you think yet, it's still oddly, in copyright there's not a ton of information out there about it because when i did my deep dive on even the original song like i was able to like click on enough articles to be like yeah the wikipedia just pretty much sums it up like you're it's like the same amount of information is out there about this gotcha and it's definitely an american like i it was kind of hinting at it's like an american post-world war ii song because there are references in this song that are like, you know, it's basically like a naughty boy. It's like Dennis, well, Dennis the Menace would be, a, you know, a, a decade or so after this song. But it's like that. No, that... it's around the same time. 1955 is when oh, okay. it was made. So, Nothing for Christmas, also known as Nothing for Christmas, is a novelty Christmas song written by Sid Tepper and Roy C. Bennett. It became a hit during the 1955 holiday season when it appeared in Billboard's pop charts by five other artists. The highest charting of the five recordings was released by Art Mooney and his orchestra with six-year-old Barry Gordon as lead vocalist, which is the most popular, you know, to this day song. Like, if you've heard this song on the radio, it's probably that one. Um... This version peaked at number six and became a million seller. Another notable version of the song was performed by Stan Ferberg. Other charting versions were recorded by the Fontaine sisters, Joe Ward and Ricky Zand, and the Blue Geners. Sure, of course. Very notable. (laughs) The song was received on the big top label by Kenny and Corky and entered the Cashbox Top 100 in 1959. (laughs) There's not a lot out there about this song. (laughs) Other artists who have recorded the song include Less Than Jake, Spike Jones, Eartha Kitt, Homer and Jethro, Reliant K, Smash Mouth featuring Rosie O'Donnell, Sugarland, Tonic Solfa, the... 
Vindictives and Plain White Tees. In 2009, the rap or artist Tony Yayo sampled the original track for his mixtape, The Swine Flu, oh, on a track titled Somebody Snitched on Me as a diss track for the rap artist Rick Ross. Shots oh. fired. Yeah, so uh, this what I love about this song is a couple of things. It's the trope of the naughty Dennis the Menace type boy in the neighborhood. Like whenever they're kind of, or like the little rascals, but like the bad kid, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you can imagine him freckled and with one of those like paper crowns on his head. I just imagine a young Danny. I'm a good boy. Now. (laughs) I was a good boy then. I just didn't take guff from authority (laughs) i didn't go around pranking innocent people i just like if you were a teacher and you gave me crap i gave it right back to you so it's funny that some random people think that this is like an a reliant k original aside from that one review we saw i see proof of that on like youtube because there's like at least one thing where somebody uploaded like a 50s version of the song and it says nothing for christmas by reliant k <laughs> and i'm like no i'm <laughs> listening to this this is from the 50s so a number of people th- kind of think that this also because this song's kind of funny right yeah so if you don't know all of these christmas songs and you kind of don't know like old radio novelty christmas songs from the 50s if this never crossed your radar then i could see how you would think a, a fun, goofy song like this would be in a, a Reliant K original. Because, You're like, sure, Matt Thiessen sings about his siblings all the time. Right, right? So people probably think like, oh, this is about his siblings. But the one lyric that like makes... And, and, and you could even imagine like, you know, if you think this is a, a Reliant K original and you kind of suss out the idea that this is about like one of those impish bad boys from the, you know, from the like a 50s TV show or something, that that might be what they were going for. But the reference that I love is when he says, I bought some gum with a penny slug. Like that's (laughs) such a specific (laughs) old timey reference. I know what it means. Okay. Because I'm a kid. I was a child in the 50s. Yeah, because I'm a boomer. (laughs) That's referring to... Because I, well, when I was a kid in the 80s, old-timey cartoons were still all over the place and largely uncensored. Even when they play, like, you know, Looney Tunes nowadays, they cut out certain sections or there are episodes they don't play entirely because there are, like, inappropriate things racially and, and, and like, gun stuff that they'll cut out nowadays. But they would play old-time cartoons when I was a kid, still on cable TV when they needed to fill in time slots. And I saw like the and all most of those famous cartoons were made post war or during World War Two. And a slug, a coin slug, was literally just a fake coin, right? Oh. You would take a piece of metal and you would make it match the shape and weight of a coin, and then there would be vending machines. And, and the vending machines would accept them because the mechanisms for vending machines back during World War II and post-World War II sure. were not sophisticated. I don't know what technology... I mean, nowadays, I, and by nowadays, I mean in the last, like, 20, 30 years, I would assume it's, like, digital and there's probably 
something Yeah, now they know if you accidentally put, like, a Canadian coin exactly. in there or something, they're like, nope, and they pop it back out, and you're like, darn it, I didn't even look when the bank people handed me this <laughs> right. or the grocery store people. Yeah. Shoot, now I have this foreign coin that I can't do anything with. But even before uh, vending machines became digital, right, at some point in, like, the 80s and the 90s and probably even in the 70s, the mechanisms became more sophisticated enough to know if something wasn't a real coin. And I don't know what that is. But back in the World War II and post-World War II eras, all you needed was a piece of metal, like, basically the same shape and size as the coin. And it was enough to trick the vending machine to give it to you. And so there's no video games, slug. there's no internet, so people right. are just smelting their own coins right. for fun. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, because I guess you could probably get the metal scraps for a lot easier than you could actually get the money. Sure. So a penny slug. And, and sometimes you'd see cartoons where, like, someone would go to a vending machine or, like, a turnstile coin-operated thing, and they would drop a coin in tied With to a string. rope. Yeah, the yeah. string thing, Yeah. Because all it needed was just enough weight to trip that little mechanism inside. And somehow, this is not a vending machine podcast, somehow those vending machines and those coin-operated things, before even computers, they figured out how to make them know not to take slugs. They had definitely fixed that by like the 90s and early 2000s, because I remember trying it because I saw it in like old TV and cartoons. And right. I was like, I'm going to try this. And it, d- it didn't work. <laughs> then there was just a piece of string hanging out of the thing with the thing going down. And I was like, whoops, just take my Coke and walk away. <laughs> so real quick, through the lyrics, because this song, in especially in Reliant K's version, is so so chaotic and uh hectic that let's go through the lyrics i broke my bat on johnny's head someone snitched on me i hid a frog in sister's bed someone snitched on me i spilled some ink on mommy's rug i made tommy eat a bug bought some gum with a penny slug someone snitched on me this is my favorite ramon song (laughs) this would make an awesome ramon song I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Mommy and Daddy are mad. I'm getting nothing for Christmas because I ain't been nothing but bad. I put a tack on teacher's chair. Someone snitched on me. I tied a knot. (laughs) Yeah. Harsh. I tied a knot knot in Susie's hair. Someone snitched on me. Next year we'll be going straight. Next year we'll be good. Just wait. We'd start now, but it's too late. Someone snitched on me. And then just repeating previous uh, choruses. So the other thing I take from this song is especially the concept of snitching, right? Like <laughs> rats get stitches or rats get killed or whatever. Snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches. And like the idea like, you snitched on me. <laughs> Buckwheat snitched on me or whatever. You know what I mean? Like this old timey thing. This is like... This is like when snitch culture, when anti-snitch culture was everything. Because sure, to this day, like in the criminal world, snitching is still bad. But like nobody talks about snitching anymore. And um, well, tattletales, tattletales, sure. yeah. But like this is like the little goody two shoes. This is like uh, on the waterfront, which is all about how it's okay to snitch. It's okay to snitch on your uh, your red comrades. <laughs> Because that movie is like a metaphor for the guy who wrote it. I don't really know, but it's the guy, the the screenwriter of On the Waterfront, like ratted out a bunch of people 
to the McCartney hearings. Right. And we, on the waterfront. Did we watch a documentary about that yeah, in I think so. school? Yeah, that's And what I so thought. on the waterfront is basically a story about how it's okay to snitch. At <laughs> 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 the heart in the 50s, the heart of the time when snitching was not considered okay. So yeah, this is like old timey song that in a different, like, I don't, I have to kind of look at the track list again, but I'm like, is there any other sort of 50s song that they did in like this? And I don't think so. I think all the other um, traditional bells? songs. Was Silver Bells kind of a 50s song? I don't remember now when that one came out. I feel like we did another 50s one at some yeah, point. Yeah, we did. Uh, uh, oh, White it was Christmas. one of the, it was one of the bonus songs. It was, um, it was Silver Bells, right? Hold on. Yeah, Silver Bells is from the 50s. But I forgot about that one because that's... Did you say Silver Bells? I didn't hear you because I was looking at my phone. I did not mean to pull a Danny where I, like, ignore you. This is the story of our marriage. (laughs) I didn't hear you because I was looking at my phone. This is the story of a girl. That's one of my favorite Reliant K songs. I just didn't hear you say that. I'm sorry. Because I was, like, looking at my phone. I'm like, I'm going to figure this out before her. And you'd already, you were long past that, <laughs> that finish line. We only have one more of those 2008 bonus tracks with Ethan on drums left to do, and that's God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. So anyway, you have anything else to say about this version of the song, Reliant K's version of the song? I do. And that is that this, so- this song is like Reliant K's, uh, let me get to the part. Yeah, climate change is real. This is Reliant K's climate change is real song. <laughs> this song also sounds like a song that could be on a v- on the Viva La Bam soundtrack on any one of them. <laughs> I guess so. Could also be like if there was a Christmas DLC for uh, Tony, Tony Hawk. Hawk. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to go ahead and take our break now. And when we come back, we have deep dive and cover stuff. We want to thank you very much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Sadie Hawkins Pod. From there, you can interact with us as well as view the videos and images we talk about on the show. You can also call our voicemail line, which is 402-95-SADIE. That's 402-957-2343. Leave us a message and we can play it on a future episode. Also, we invite you to check out SadieHawkinsPod.com, one simple place to get links to all our social media and a link to our Public store. There you can pick up merchandise, or merch as it's known in the industry. We have our Black Flag parody shirt, our little Sheet Boy ice cream shirt, and our all-new Boys from Canton ampersand shirts that list the first names of every album lineup of Reliant K. And if you can't get enough of us, well, good news. At patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod, we are releasing at least two bonus episodes a month. You'll also have access to our whole backlog, including our discussion of Owl City's Ocean Eyes, reading through the complex infrastructure book, and the songs from K is for Karaoke. Finally, we want to thank our current patrons, who include Josh, JR, Jarrett, Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Helen, Samantha, Roxanne, Jimmy Eat Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, David, and Brady. We hope to see you there, and even if we don't, 
We hope that you will keep us in positive regard. Hey, Jeff, have you ever heard of Reliant K? No, Tracy, I haven't, but you know what that reminds me of? If I had a million dollars. What? Oh, no, no, don't do I it. I would buy you a cake car. A nice, reliant automobile. Yes. How did I know you were going to go there? Well, it could have something to do with the fact that it is the most famous song by the band we discuss every week. Oh, you mean Bare Naked Ladies? Dude, Reliant K is a Christian rock band. You can't say that. Sure I can. I don't think you can. Okay, fine. BNL. We have a great time discussing all the BNL songs alphabetically over at Bare Naked ABCs. Dude! We're not naked when we do it, and it's a podcast. Anyway, I've heard these guys and their music. These guys can take a joke. Ooh, I have one for you. Don't. Have you heard the one about the boy who moved into the hen house to sleep? We've already done this song. He woke up with yolk on his face when he found that all the hens had crossed the street. (laughs) Oh, for bad jokes like that and more, come listen to us on all platforms you download podcasts. Just look for Bare Naked ABC. Dude! It's a brand name. This week we have fanfic. Supernatural fanfic. What? <laughs> Rated T for Teen over on fanfiction.net. It's a hurt slash comfort. I don't know who the pairings are or the pairing is uh, because the mobile version of fanfiction.net isn't super intuitive author's note this is chapter five nightmares author's note for a non on tumblr who asked for could i request a fic where he's drug slash loopy thanks for the request this one was fun to write so i'm getting nothing for christmas mommy and daddy are mad i'm getting nothing for christmas because i ain't been nothing but bad reliant k i'm getting nothing for christmas and then it goes on for a pretty decent amount of time about, uh, I don't know, Sam and Dean. And, they should have quoted this uh, to Art the Woodley. The other one, Thank you Castiel, much. Mary, John. They should have. <laughs> uh, Sam knows this isn't real. You want another piece of pie, Sam? His mother beams before him, warm and bright, just like he saw in the faded pictures in Dean's journal. I'll take it. Dean snatches the piece of pie, a smirk on his lips. I can Sammy see why likes this show rabbit for food. Five years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have. A review of the album from the Metro West Daily News. Posted December 12th, 2007 by Eddie Shubang slash Gatehouse News Service. And so they're just grading like a bunch of different holiday albums that came out that year. And they say on CD surprise, someone with on CD surprise, someone with there's wow, punctuation would really help here (laughs) on CD surprise, someone with one of these holiday albums or maybe not. Can anyone can anybody really beat Johnny Mathis? Okay, Boomer. Oof. So the first, the first. Hey, album, I wrote this review. The, the, it makes sense. The first album they rated was Mannheim Steamroller, uh, which they gave a B to. Then Josh Groban Noel, which they gave a C to. Wow. Uh, Martina McBride White Christmas. They gave a B. Toby Keith. Uh, Toby Keith at Christmas Show Dog. They gave a B. Uh, Over the Rhine, Snow Angels, Great Speckled Dog, they gave a B. Reliant K, Let It Snow Baby, Let It Reindeer, capital. Oh, sorry, the, sorry, in the, uh, the, I was like, what does this mean in the parentheses? That is who, uh, published it. So, 
Let it snow, baby. Let it rain, dear, from Capital. Grade D. This is essentially the band's previous Christmas album, Deck the Halls, Bruise Your Hand, plus seven more songs. That is factual. Yes. And in an almost impressive way, those seven new songs actually bring down the deck so much so that it would be better just to get the older album. The new songs sound out of place and too solemn for the pop punk fun of Angels We Have Heard on High and Deck the Halls. Only the new I'm Getting Nothing for Christmas is worth your time. They move on to Rick Rick Springfield's Christmas With You, grade C (laughs) minus. So there's no pleasing the Metro West Daily News. And that's it. That's the deep dive. I mean, CCM Magazine just shouts them out to say that they have a new album, but that's about it. Okay. Well, coincidentally, I don't have that much either. (laughs) Yay, we get to go home early for Christmas. So, um, there's this thing. Does it say Shirley Temple did a version? I did see that. And, and I'm like, I guess she did, but like, it's not on the Wikipedia, and you think that would be on the Wikipedia, yeah, right? That's a pretty big, pretty big artist. I did right. see that in some places. So uh, now I'm confused if this is actually like, if this is actually Shirley Temple, if this is actually Shirley Temple, if this is the one done by the boy that's famous for it, and people have just right. mixed up the name. No, this sounds like Shirley Temple. Okay. So Shirley Temple apparently has done a very popular version, but comments are turned off because this YouTube video involves a minor. <laughs> sure, she would be like 200 years old if she was alive today, but you gotta She's turn comments 200. off. She's like 100 Is she still something. around? Uh, she has been for a long time. I don't know if she's still around or not. Shirley Temple... Passed away in 2014. There you go. At age I knew it was 85. Relatively recent. Yeah. So Shirley Temple apparently did one, or it was it's mislabeled, and people are like, "Yeah, it sounds like Shirley Temple." Just like you listen to freaking A, and you think, "Ah, this sounds like Reliant K." So here's this um, other famous version I found. Hang on, I wanted to hear the original again, and I couldn't find it on Spotify because I just. What the fuck is this kid's name? <laughs> this is all off, whatever. No, I clicked the wrong thing. Uh, Barry Gordon. Let's, I want to find the Barry Gordon version. Okay, hang on now. I want to listen to this and make sure it's not the Shirley Temple one. Does this sound the same as what you played? <laughs> okay, I pulled up the Barry Gordon version. Wait a minute, because like... No, it's the same version. This is the original. Old timey children sound the same, Danny. This is the original (laughs) version of mislabeling tracks. There we go. On Napster. Not Shirley Temple. This is not by Shirley Temple. This is by what's his name? Barry Gordon. Barry Gordon. So this high, you know, little boy sings high, and people are like, oh, this is Shirley Temple. But nobody can comment on it on YouTube because comments are turned off. Art Mooney and his orchestra with six-year-old Barry Gordon. 
That's so funny. So everyone's like, ah, clear. This is the original Weird Al problem, the not Weird Al stuff, where like <laughs> any horrible racist parody version of anything that ever ended up on the internet gets labeled Weird Al, and it's not Weird Al. This this almost looks like me if I had been around in like the '60s or '70s. It does. As a child, Jessica's a time traveler. <laughs> Take a screen cap of that so we can post that later. So Shirley Temple did Could not be my mom. Shirley Temple did not do this song and while we know gender is a construct as they knew back then in the 50s this is not Shirley Temple it's a boy. <laughs> so uh here so there's another famous version by sort of a I guess like a comedian or something like that named Stan Freeberg and I this was the first version that came up for me on Spotify. And I don't know, like, the stats of this version of the song, like, what year or whatever, but... Freeberg! I broke my bat on Johnny's head. Somebody snitched on me. I hit a frog in sister's bed. Somebody snitched on me. It I sounds fell- like Eddie Deason singing. <gasps> does! Who totally is most no- well-known for being the voice of Mandark from Dexter's Laboratory, but Jessica and I being bad movie aficionados, Eddie Deason's been in a hundred, like sci-fi horror movies. Yep. Ink on mommy's rug. I made Tommy eat a bug. Bought some gum with a penny slug. Somebody snitched on me. So So this is like a, a light parody version because he pretty much does the song correctly, but then it ends with this little skit. Just wait. I'd start now, but it's too late. Somebody... Who's that coming down the chimney with a bag over his shoulder? It's him! It's him! I thought he wasn't coming! Where's the silverware, little boy? In a dining room, like I told you! And a jewelry? Same place as last time. How about my cut? The usual? The usual. Join me on the chorus, okay? Why not? I'm nothing for Christmas! Get it? He let a burglar come in and steal everything for a cut. I get it. Maybe it's Santa, maybe it's not. Maybe it's the Grinch. Maybe this maybe is an alternate version of Cindy Lou Who. Probably. In fact, I would say that's exactly what it is. And now one other ver- one other thing about the Barry Gordon version is I found this like this YouTube user named 22Kuroo, K-U-R-O-R-O, and this is like an otaku, like an anime fan person, right? Nice. Because like that's like it's a Japanese word in their name that I'm not pronouncing correctly, but they made like a lightly animated music video nice. out of anime art, out of original anime artwork. Like, oh wow, that's great. So it's I don't like know if flash thing. I don't know if Barry Gordon ever expected there to be an anime music video to his original video <laughs> song from the '50s, but here it is. I hope somebody sent it to him. And this is the version where it says, I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Reliant K? No, it's not (laughs) Reliant K. K. It's the original (laughs) song from the 50s. And it's just, I just find it like... I mean, I get... This one actually does make sense why there's so much confusion behind it because there really is very little... In, in as far as, like, history and such right. on the internet is concerned. But I just love that, I don't know, a 50 song and somebody made an anime animation yeah. set to it. It's amazing. Uh, and then nothing but guitar and drum covers. So really nothing to talk about there. So we'll pretty much end with fan stuff. This is amazing. 
Now, Jessica, you lived in Florida for a while. Yep. And your parents live there again now. Yep. Have you ever been to Osborne, Florida? Do you even know Osborne. what part of the state that's in? I meant to look it up. Let me look it up right now. I mean, I know about the Osborne family lights that used to be at MGM Studios. Oh, well, that must be what it's based off of. Okay, it is actually, like, on the Treasure Coast area. It's it's oh. south of West Palm Beach. Okay. It's, yep, it's, it's north of Boca Raton. It's pretty much between Boca Raton and West Palm Beach. Oh, okay. This town. So we probably passed. This is what you're saying yeah. in the last few weeks. <laughs> but this town has this, like, outstanding light show. And that must be the, the MGM show must get its name from this town. This town that does this, like, incredible light show. I think they did the lights for oh, MGM or so used to. People... I don't think they do it anymore. I could be wrong. At least, what year would this video be? From six years ago. So at least in 2014, it seems like Osborne, Florida ha- is known for this amazing downtown light show. And in 2014, they incorporated this song into part of the show. While Jessica looks it up. Oh, yeah, it's called the Osborne Family Spectacle Mm -hmm. of Dancing Light. So maybe this is actually at MGM. For over two decades, the Osborne Family Spectacle of Dancing Lights was a beloved part of the holidays at Walt Disney World until it was discontinued. The display housed at Disney's Hollywood Studios, originally Disney slash MGM Studios theme park, is still mourned by diehard fans to this day. However, there's more to the Osborne Lights than their Wait, what year was it controversial closure. What year? Uh, I'm not it, finding it in this article. It just says it was oh. dis- You said the It just said right? it was discontinued. Oh. Uh, well, the history guess- of the Osborne Lights begins in 1986 when successful Arkansas businessman Jennings Osborne was asked by his young, then young daughter, Allison, to decorate the family's home in Little, in Little Rock for Christmas. Uh, never one to go about things lightly, Osborne and his wife decked out their home in over a thousand Christmas lights. Over the next seven years, the Osborne's display became increasingly ornate, detailed, and in turn popular. By 1993, the home drew news crews and visitors by the thousands to view the classic lights, as well as features including giant illuminated a giant illuminated globe and a seven, 70 foot tall Christmas tree. However, not everyone was happy with Jennings. In the early 1990s, several of Osborne's neighbors became unhappy Sorry, with the large crowds and heavy amounts of traffic the Osborne's lights brought to the area. In 1993, uh, six neighbors band together and took Osborne to court in a move that could be considered <laughs> to be at best arrogant and at worst purposefully poking the bear. Osborne Uh, responded to the suit by stringing an extra thousand lights. The good times didn't last, though, and by the next year, the... And by the next year, the... It says country, but I think they must mean county court, ordered Osborne to only have the display active for 15 days, and only from 7 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. Okay, so I totally misinterpreted this. Because all of the, so, man, so sorry, I'm very confused. Plus, YouTube really doesn't help me on this at all. But I found these two videos where it's this amazing light display called Osborne Family Lights. And I thought it was in Osborne, 
Florida, which is a town, but then I guess it's at Walt Disney World, but you can't really tell in this video because there's no reference to Walt Disney World. And now you're telling me it's discontinued. Well, maybe it's still happening at Disney World. If only we had a listener and patron who knew about <laughs> Disney World traditions, but I just don't know if we do. Uh, I don't know if he knows as much about Walt Disney World as much as I as, think so. Uh, land? I think David Does Park he? would because I listened to a couple episodes of... Uh, Remain seated, please. Please remain seated. Whichever it was called. And, I apologize, David Park. And they talked about Disney World here and there. The Osborne Family Festival of Lights uh, debuted at MGM Studios in 1995. And so they moved it all there. I see. After, like, enough neighbors in the Arkansas Supreme Court or whatever got mad and were like, yo, too much. Um in okay, so 2004, the Osborne, Osborne lights were moved to residential street. Yeah, but it left in 2008 to answer that question. And Osborne Disney himself passed in away in 2011. That's it sad. couldn't have left Disney in 2008 because I. Oh, sorry, 2015. One, 2015. That makes sense because this is video is from 2014. So, and this makes so much more sense to figure out that this is at Disney World. Ugh. Ugh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, what happened? Ugh. What happened? I'm ughing at why oh, they no, got why? rid of them. For Star Wars Galaxy Edge. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you, Star Wars. Disney and Star Wars. R- Ryan Johnson thinks a lot. 2015, what was the most recent movie at the time? I don't really know. I don't remember the years these movies came out. But I'm guessing it was Last Jedi. It was not. It wasn't. Well, now that I realize this is at Disney World, although there was no reference to of Disney World in either of these videos... You have to see this because it is so clearly like multi-million dollars. I thought it was just some like really rich town called Osborne that had like this amazing display. So look at this. It's like a blanket, a tunnel yes. of lights above them. I used to go to this every year, oh, Danny. Right, you <laughs> with your annual passes and your back entrances <laughs> that took you to the beach club or whatever it was called outside Epcot. Shout out Celebration Florida. They should have just sent, set them all up in Celebration. That'd be good stuff. No, everybody would be really mad about that, actually. It'd be like, too so much. Here, we already have enough here, stuff going here, on Here, Disney World has this amazing light show set to a Reliant K song. Is this why that one person on Wikipedia thought that Johnny and the Sprites theme song was by <laughs> Reliant K? Because they went to the Osborne family lights and they heard a Reliant K song? So we have a couple, we have one, two, three, four different literal FMVs done by like families in their living rooms around Christmas. They're all adorable, but there's only one I really want to play after Jessica tells me what else she found out about. Just one more note on that. Osborne lights. Following the end of their run, Disney donated the vast majority of the lights to give kids the World Village charity complex. They're currently used for the group's night of a million lights event and used to raise money for the village to continue its mission of hosting guests uh, hosting wishes and their guests which is really nice. nice so this also this article that i was getting all this info from is from all ears.net uh from november 22nd 2020 by brian de la, de la plazo gotcha by david park wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, there are like three or four 
families and groups of teens that made literal music videos set to this song. But I'll just play this one that was done at some sort of college or private school. <laughs> I gotta say also about the way Tyson counts down the song at the beginning. Very aggressive. Very aggressive. Very aggressive. So let's see if there's any information about this. Christmas teacher music video I made for Roy High School. So this is at a high school and they got the whole school involved, including teachers and stuff. Nice. Check this out. This is uploaded by Kira K I R A Norlem. N-O-R-L-E-M. And I always spell these names, so if you want to go search for them, it makes it easier. So, also, song is very short, so the deep dive, as little as there was, went very quickly this week. So, check out this music video. <laughs> so we've got some After Effects going, and oh wow, this is like an After Effects project. He hit the bat over someone's head, and then the bat shattered into yeah, it was a million like a pieces JPEG. and flew off. It was a JPEG of a bat in his hand, <laughs> and when it felt hit the guy's head, it shattered like uh, something that shatters. <laughs> And, like, all these students and teachers, and the teachers are the squarest-looking adults you've ever seen. <laughs> Every teacher in this video, and they're all giving it their all. So they really are. God bless them. Santa Claus is going to bring them all something wonderful. They really got in the spirit. They did. These teachers are having so much fun. I love this. And all these students oh, wow. got, did a dance in the computer lab. <laughs> the computer lab that has like a bazillion um, movie posters around the top. Nice. And then the sign, this one teacher is doing sign language. So it's, it's awesome. like we get a little mini sign language video in here as well. This really was like, and then the, I can't even describe this, but there's like yeah. a, a trailing effect behind them. With different Christmas colors. Now they're all on the school uh, stage. stage, dancing in front of a Christmas tree. Not they're all, because there's a lot of people, but right. this is clearly the drama to class, is dancing. Good stuff. And then it ends with 30 seconds of black, which I guess, 30 seconds of like black screen. Nice. So, a couple other music videos, but we'll just post those online. Right after I... Bless you. Thank you for blessing me. Santa Claus is going to bring you something nice for blessing me. He's, yeah. He's going to bring you something nice. Kisses from me. Ooh. I don't know why Santa Claus has to bring you kisses from me. Like, Santa Claus is going to walk in the door and grab me by the head and like, kiss her. I'm Santa Claus. Kiss her. I mean, sometimes I feel like I might need him to do that to get kisses from you. No, but... I don't giving you kisses. I just... <laughs> The holiday season is very stressful. <laughs> it is. Especially in July. So, Jessica. Yes. What do you think of this song? Do you like it more, less, or the same than before we talked about it? I think I like it about the same. Me too. And you kind of said how this is like their most like random over the... You said some word I don't remember because it was a while ago. But you said it's kind of like their most... Bizarre, out of character. Er, out of character, but bizarre song. This is almost yeah. like a mini 12 Days of Christmas mm -hmm. as well. Because the 12 Days of Christmas song has all these creative 
time changes and like just like all kinds of different stuff and they do different instrumentation on different verses right this is like a mini version of that that's only a minute and a half long so yeah there's that (laughs) that was a note that i forgot to read from a while ago yeah it's just you know with all the shouting and the like everybody joining in for like the choruses and everything and it sounds like that i don't know if they're like doubling up on on uh you know if they're what, what do you call that? We have a music podcast. I should know this. They're like, you doubling know, making it sound vocals. like there's, yeah, doubling up on vocals, making it sound like there's more people. <laughs> what do people. you call I those things when people sing yeah. into the microphone? I don't know. Vocals? Doubling up on vocals, doing some some sort of production trickery. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Happy holidays, everybody. And uh, happy Hanukkah.